Insights on Responsible Business is a podcast about organizations building trust, security, and resilience to thrive in an era of stakeholder capitalism. Our host is Sir Rob Wainwright, who talks with business leaders and experts about their experiences in charting a new direction to what is commercial success and greater societal impact. Our special guest today is Terence Maori. Terence Maori is the founder of management think tank Hack Future Lab and a visiting professor at IE Business School and MIT. Terence has been described as an influential and outspoken thinker on the future of leadership. His new book, Building Resilient Organizations, helps leaders to thrive in ever-changing contexts. Rob and Terence are here to talk about how leaders should unlearn the past to reshape the future in order to unlock the purpose agenda. Over to you, Rob. Well, thank you, Vaidehi, and it's a warm welcome to you, Terence. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, to talk about leadership in an age of disruption. Yes, of course, we have regional conflict in Europe, huge energy market and economic disruption, rising climate change risks, all areas, Terence, I think you've got some experience of advising business leaders about. And these and other factors, of course, shaping this more unstable world that we see at the moment. Let's start then by taking your view on where you think we are right now in these terms and what it means for society and business in particular. Well, Rob, first of all, it's great to be on the show. And today I want to give our listeners the equivalent of a double espresso to really shake up their minds. And it's fair to say that we have volatility on steroids. Uh, Lots of metaphors out there right now, permacrisis, polycrisis, predictably unpredictable. The economist Noria Rabini describes it as moving from the great moderation to the great stagflation. And I think this moment in time, this inflection point creates tremendous risk but also tremendous opportunity. Well, indeed, it does seem like a very significant time right now. I just wondered, um, you know, what really marks it out? What is the defining part of what makes it significant right now? What are we really looking at, do you think? I think it's a a significant moment of reframing and reimagining. And I think for many of us, we're stuck in the certainties of the past pre-COVID and the possibilities of the future. Um, The poet and writer Paul Valery said, um, never has humanity had so much power and so much disorder. He wrote that in 1932 in a book called The Art of the Long View. And it's funny how history repeats itself in cycles. It's clear to see that there are lots of converging, overlapping and multiplying trends. For example, uh, blurring of industry lines, economic and geopolitical uncertainty, disruptive technologies. This week alone, we have GTP chat four coming out. And of course, shrinking of company lifespans, product lifespans, even job lifespans. I think there are two big trend lines to to really get our heads around. Number one is digitization. Uh, research coming out of Hat Future Lab shows that this kind of drive to move from doing digital, digital to being digital, over $2.8 trillion worth of digital transformation efforts happening over the next three years. And then of course, number two, trend line number two, is the sustainability agenda. And if we look at ESG assets alone, they're up over $50 trillion in the last two years. That's a third of total assets under management around the world. So I think, as I said, you know, the central thesis is, I think we always underestimate the risk of trying something new and uh, overestimate the risk of standing, uh, underestimate the risk of standing still. Uh, And and indeed, in this age of volatility, where today is the slowest it will ever be in a lifetime, I would go as far to say that not taking a risk is a risk. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you mentioned Terence, you know, you you went back to the 1930s. 
at a time also an exceptional moment. So I just wondered whether how exceptional this is. It seems, you know, COVID and then the Ukraine war, the impact on on the economy, inflationary environment and so on. It seems like a highly exceptional moment for us, at least for a generation. But maybe it's always felt like that in the moment of the crisis. You know, and you, you refer back to the 1930s. So I just wondered just how exceptional is this uh, that we're looking at right now? I think it's a really exceptional moment. If we, if we cast our minds back to when Russia invaded Ukraine, that moment alone, over a thousand of the biggest companies had to curtail their operations in Russia, Russia being the 11th or 12th biggest economy on the planet. And like any kind of major conflict, in fact, General Secretary of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, describes it as a trilemma or a triple crisis of climate risk, COVID and conflict. But actually what we can see, especially over the last two years, I mean, tomorrow we have the announcement of the EU Net Zero Industry Act. It'll be interesting to see what that is. It's answer to the US Inflation Reduction Act. We've just had news of the High Seas Treaty moving from 1% to 30% protection of seas, which is great news. We've got the Digital Services Act, the Digital Markets Act, and the list goes on. And my, my point is, actually, we're seeing an acceleration of good news. And I want to sort of reject this false constraint that disruption is just negative. I want to reject this false constraint that disruption just happens to us. And really look at how do we turn volatility into a tailwind for laser-like focus and strategic courage. Yes, Terence, I think you, you make the point that, um, you know, generally people underestimate the risk of doing nothing. Um, I, I guess it's human nature, you know, the homeostasis of the human body, I suppose. Um, but th this moment that we have right now, do you think it, 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 that remark is particularly opposite? What I mean by that, is, are we looking at a, at, a, at a moment right now, a moment in time, an inflection point, as you say, which in particular right now calls for different, uh, more bold action? It is. I mean, you know, it comes back to this this mantra that for for everything to change or everything to stay the same, everything must change. And uh, research that I'm working on with my team right now at MIT shows that 40% of CEOs say that their business models need to completely be reimagined over the next five years to sustain vitality and relevancy. And here are some blind spots that we're blind to. Number one, well, our sort of current perceptions are often grounded in past assumptions. And ideally, you want your ratio of knowledge to assumptions to be as close to one as possible. But we're no longer in a, we're in a complex, volatile, unpredictable world, a world, a world where actually the improbables are going up. So another blind spot that I think our listeners need to really uh, reconcile uh, and keep front and center is that around 82% of revenue today across all verticals still comes from the core. Only about 6% of revenue comes from beyond the core. And that presents a central dilemma that CEOs need to reconcile, which is, yes, executing for today, but also what are our mindsets and strategies uh, for reimagining and transforming for tomorrow? And what does that look like, do you think, in terms of the required mindset, the mindset that you think that, that best works here in terms of reimagining the future? 
I think there are three catalytic mindsets that CEOs and leaders and business leaders need to think about. The first is what I call a new growth mindset. And a very simple question to ask is, what new platforms, products, services, even business models have we introduced over the last two years? And a key metric could be revenue outside that of, the, of the core, for example. Number two, so that's, that's growth. Number two is sort of adaptation. Uh, so this idea that what are we doing to adapt the core of what we do? as an organization to be in this perpetual state of beta, learning and unlearning the always done ways that have gone off like yogurt in the fridge. And that means embracing new regulation and new policies, new competitors, new competitors as well, because of course, competitive lines are being redrawn and value is being redefined. So that's really about adaptation. And number three, the third and final mindset to think about is really sharpening that purpose and value agenda. For example, balance sheet flexibility, ring fencing part of the capex and operating expenditure to redeploy dynamically to new growth engines. You know, what I'm seeing is actually we need to be an ambidextrous organization. That means both prudence and boldness. And what's really interesting is two of our biggest regrets in life as humans, and ultimately this is about a human agenda, is two of the biggest regrets are lack of boldness and lack of purpose. Well, I think that point resonates absolutely with what I've been hearing across the very many interviews we've done on this podcast show over the last three years, that, that indeed there, is a, there has been a general shift of business sentiment towards a more purpose-led agenda, a feeling that not just the right thing to do for society, but the smart business thing to do. I just get a sense, however, um, particularly over the last year with the effects because of the war in Ukraine, that there's been maybe a little bit of a reverse direction going on maybe in, in leadership mindset around um, just how bold they can be around shifting more to a bold to a bold purpose-led agenda. Is that, is that, am I reading that right or how, what do you see? Mar economist Mariana Mazzucato says it well, you know, we're suffering epidemic levels of structural stupidity. Most organizations, most institutions, you know, they're designed for inertia, they're designed for protecting the status quo. It's an institutional blind spot that goes right back to 1945. And so it requires courage, it requires the curiosity to learn, the courage to unlearn, the clarity to focus and the conviction to decide. You know, when I met Mark Carney at the Reshape the Now conference sponsored by Deloitte in October, and that's where we met as well, for our listeners' benefit. He spoke about the tragedy of the horizon, this blind spot, institutional blind spot and human blind spot, which is we always end up prioritizing short-term results, short-term thinking, short-term ways of working over long-term challenges or long-term concerns. And until we really address that blind spot and tackle it, you know, history is set to repeat itself. It's always easier to go back into relapse and regression. And so I think we're at this inflection point now, presenting tremendous risk, but also tremendous opportunity, but we can't rest on our laurels. Well, that's quite a convincing case you're making, in Terence. I just wondered, though, uh, um, in the real world, where where the evidence is for that. Where you know, maybe which companies have shown that that when you are 
when you do sort of reimagine the future in a different way in that way, where does it come off in terms of delivering success? Where have you seen it working? The great news is there are organizations out there that have made the pivot to leading from the future and not leading from the past. And what I mean by that is most organizations by default, by habit, by legacy, are trapped in a present forward way of thinking. And that works well in an environment that's stable, predictable, linear, rules-based. But we know that those rules don't apply anymore. You can't navigate a new world with an old map. Leading from the future means that you align around a point of view from the future. You adapt the core of what you do and you start new growth engines. And there's some organizations out there, for example, DBS, Development Bank of Singapore. 10 years ago, their nickname was Damn Bloody Slow. Uh, But over the last 10 years, they've really made a pivot towards a bold reimagination agenda. Another organization is Orsted, you know, famous for one of the boldest transformation journeys in in 10 years, where it pivoted from, uh, you know, oil and gas to uh, one of the world's largest wind farm operators. Another organization that I worked with recently was Hermes. And again, really thinking about these trends sustainability agenda, platformization, uh, automation, uh, the human agenda. What Hermes are doing is they've committed to at least 50% of their revenue coming from non-leather sources by 2030. They've recently partnered with a biotech company called Microworks, and they're creating a sort of alternative to leather called Mycelium. These are examples of organizations that have decided to lead from the future, not the past, have decided to unlearn the always done ways and reimagine long held norms. And I think there are sort of three big takeaways for our listeners. Number one, they have what I call a high learning orientation. Um, they really uh, are building up cultures. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, the cultures of curiosity, not cultures of conformity. Um, number two is they explore early to know how sooner. They have cultures of learning and experimentation and they really have an eye on the future. And then finally, number three is high speed decision making. You know, an interesting point is that volatility clearly affects stock stock markets and and shares. They can go up and they can go down. And clearly, I think there's there's a point as well that volatility can impact the strategic choices that we make. And across those those three examples, um, examples, Terence. I just wondered to what extent the evidence is there that that bold shift in in those cases, maybe in others, um, was successful. I.e., that that you know the, the, that shift led uh, directly or at least over time to you know stronger commercial success uh, was rewarded. Therefore, and their boldness was rewarded in the market. Yes, well, sometimes it's a crisis, sometimes it's a specific inflection point or trend that you want to jump behind. And each of these organizations has an interesting narrative. If you look at DBS, over the last 10 years, since it's committed to that aggressive digital transformation journey, it's really capitalized on three inflection points. Number one, optimize reality. So this idea of moving from doing digital to being digital at the core. Number two, ethical 
impact, really going big on truth and transparency and trust, baking it alongside profitability and scale. And then, you know, number three is this idea of divesting and rejecting taken for granted norms. DBS, for example, it's been awarded most innovative bank three times in a row over the last 10 years. And in fact, its market cap has trebled to around 60 billion US over the last 10 years. Same for Orsted as well. Uh, Hermes, what Hermes is a great uh, you know, growth story. Uh, and in, in fact, over the last three years since the pandemic, it, again, its market cap has more than doubled. So one of the examples you had was DBS. And you mentioned there, for example, that uh, focus on increased transparency has been part of their success story. I just wonder how that particular feature um, you know, is, is translated, converted into um, commercial success. I'm just trying to get to the point where there are real tangible outcomes um, from, from following a, a purpose-led agenda. There are some really interesting uh, correlations coming out from a, w- a research at MIT and Hat Future Lab. Um, for example, purpose-driven organizations have a, a return on equity of around 13.4% compared to around 3.1% for non-purpose-driven organizations. Uh, I think there are three big uh, drivers that organizations, leaders of organizations need to think about um, because there is a purpose gap. Um, you know, 93% of leaders agree that purpose matters at the organizational level and the human level, but only 33% say that they get to live their purpose and put the purpose to work in a really operationalized way on a day-to-day basis. Uh, also, there's the trust agenda. Uh, the research shows that for a, a bank, for example, with a, a $30 billion market cap, if it suffers a major trust breach, it can potentially forego over $4 billion Uh, of uh, future revenue. And I think we're suffering epidemic levels in terms of purpose decay or purpose washing and also truth decay. Uh, So, for example, we've had recent examples of this where, you know, it's not our imagination. A lot of organizations are one step away from trust and purpose breaches. Theranos, for example, FTX, McKinsey opioid scandal, FIFA, uh, VW Golf Emissions, and the list goes on and on. In fact, 10 out of 15 industries have suffered major trust breaches, cyber attacks over the last three years. So I think there's two big takeaways here. One, you know, what are we doing to bring our purpose to life? We're seeing a big movement from activist investors, for example, um, Engine One, Value Act, Third Point, and winning proxy fights, Salesforce, Disney, um, Exxon. So I think that's a really important uh, movement. And then number two is how are we baking trust into our ecosystem and prioritizing it and measuring it and holding it to account with the same scrutiny as our profitability and revenue lines. What does that mean in practice, though, Terence? Baking trust into your ecosystem uh, is a concept, a notion maybe, if you don't mind my saying, is, is a little vague. So what does it mean in practice to those business leaders, perhaps, that are listening to this podcast? Um, what, what are the tangible uh, features of, of doing that in a successful way? 
What it really, really means is, is making a decision. So first of all, going big on truth, transparency and trust. So uh, you know, really ensuring that your products, your services, your business model has absolute transparency. It's not just what you do, it's how you're seen to do it. And perception is absolutely key. There's a regulatory angle as well. For example, we've heard over the last few days about the debacle at SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. And, 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 you know, again, we're seeing this cycle of blind spots repeating themselves, governance red flags that are ignored or overseen by the regulators. So I think there's a, an equation, a trust equation, if you will, that needs to be optimised and sharpened with regulators, with customers, and of course, with employees on the inside as well. So you talked earlier about leadership, you mentioned the need for strategic courage, um, what does that mean in terms of the, the, you know, the profile, the leadership profile that, that uh, is the best fit for this age, this age where we need to be more bold, uh, take a different direction? Um, what kind of leadership are you defining here when you say that? Bold is always less risky than a weak strategy or weak leadership. And I think most of the problems we face in the world uh, at an organisational level, a society level, are not because of a lack of IQ, it's a lack of boldness. And, and that, that starts with questions. I think questions are like the golden key that can, can unlock the door and help us see the world differently, challenging outdated assumptions and really reimagining long-held norms. You know, for example, questions that our listeners should be thinking about include, what are our you know, billion dollar beliefs. And what are we doing to back those? Um, you know, what are we doing to systematically unlearn old ways of thinking or working that no longer serve true, no longer create value? Um, you know, what's our no strategy so that we have laser-like focus on turning volatility into a tailwind? I think there are three big buckets that leaders can take away today. Number one is who we are. This is about strengthening our identity and sharpening that purpose and value agenda. You know, who we are. Number two is how do we operate? How do we get stuff done? How do we make things happen? And that's all about agility, but also speed and empowerment. I think there's too much fake empowerment in the world right now. And then finally, number three is how are we going to grow? That's your growth story. The research is unequivocal. When an organization has a really strong growth story, it's 2.2x more likely to outperform its peers, 6.6x more likely to be resilient and bounce back from adversity. Who we are, how we operate and how we grow are the hallmarks of a bold mindset. It's also about offense and defense. It's about prudence and it's about making bold decisions. That includes programmatic M&A, divestments, new growth engines. Uh, and these would be some big examples that our listeners should be thinking about. Wonderful. What a masterclass in leadership that you've offered us today, Terence. Thank you so much. And for all those business leaders out there, a blueprint for success in this age of uncertainty as well, focusing on who we are, how we operate, and how we are going to grow. I'm gonna, I want to thank you, Terence, for being a marvellous guest uh, with us today and for surveying the landscape at this critical time. Uh, in the economy, in our world. Um, been a terrific conversation with you. Thank you so much, Rob. Take care. So are we leading from the future or the past? That's the challenge Terence Maori makes of business as they adapt to profound new uncertainties in this world. Geopolitical shocks from war in Ukraine to consequential impacts on the global economy have affected us all. And for business, they've given rise to high volatility and market disruption. How can the best companies survive, adapt and even prosper 
during these times? Well, the answer lies in knocking back the take-for-granted norms that we've always relied on in the past to reject assumptions that no longer apply and instead search for a new, bolder future. One driven more by the needs of customers and stakeholders and one, for example, capable of unlocking the true potential of a purpose-led agenda. Successful examples from business point the way and speak of the need for vision and strategic courage. Leaders who see the potential for greater market competitiveness in resetting a course based not on previous experience, but by seeing in these exceptional times the scope for new opportunity. Shaping new norms, delivering new value, effective leadership in an age of disruption. Thank you for listening to another episode of Insights on Responsible Business. We hope you enjoyed it and will tune into our next episode. Please review us on Spotify, the iTunes podcast app, or whatever popular podcast app you're using. And find out more on Deloitte.nl. See you next time.